Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Sunday evening or a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors. Uh, We'll start with College Corner today. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com, two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. And like I said, you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Whatever you're looking for for your home, for yourself, for your car, for your tailgate, whatever it is you're looking for that's maroon and white, They've got you taken care of at College Corner. Uh, and our good friends at Humble Taco, they want to see you and see you soon. Next time you are in Starkville, they have got a lot of great things going on there. It's always a fantastic meal, a fantastic time, a great time. out. And the weather is starting, to get fa- it's starting to get fantastic. I feel like I'm overusing that word. But when you get up to Starkville, make sure you've got a spot at Humble Taco Uh, ready to go because you are definitely going to want to eat there and be there and have a great time with all your friends and family next time you are up here uh, for MSU sports. All right, Robbie Falk, a lot to talk about today. Mississippi State falls to LSU, two straight losses, 28-25 is the final score. Another game that sees Mississippi State uh, put on a furious comeback only to come up short. Another game that sees Mississippi State make a lot of mistakes, and not take advantage of some opportunities. And now the Bulldogs sit at 2-2 two and two with the real meat of their schedule yet to come. A tough loss, an a, 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 a uninspiring uh, first half of football, a lot of mistakes, a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it. I need to know what happened. So tell them, Falk. Well, I'm going to surprise you here, Brian. Okay. I'm going to take the role of Joel T. Coleman today before you start my things that are true are not that bad and my post game show which once again spotify screwed me out of the audio of i mean we may be looking to make a switch there guys we'll figure that out but was surprisingly positive i was really surprised by it i want you to go ahead though tell me what you got you know what you know what i feel better about this team and this program today than i did yesterday morning And I'm going to tell you why I feel that way. Okay. Because I think, I think that Mississippi State is going to be okay here if they can clean up a lot of these mistakes. And this this is why it's so frustrating right now because Mississippi State should be 4-0 and they would be inside my AP top 25. Yeah. If they were 4-0 right now. The, The back half of the top 25 is fluctuating for everybody. You know, you got SMU in there uh, for some polls, North Carolina State, Fresno State. 
you know, some people are talking about South Alabama. Mississippi State would be in that top 25 right now had they won those two ball games. What's frustrating, and I, I can understand the frustrating frustration for Mississippi State fans, is this team's beating themselves right now. At the same time, I think that should be something that, that makes you excited if you're a Mississippi State fan, is that if they can figure out a way to, to, to end these big mistakes that they're making and to play a clean ball game, this team can be pretty good. I think the offense was pretty sharp yesterday when they weren't shooting themselves in the foot. I think the defense was pretty darn good yesterday when they weren't busting coverages and, and having mistakes out there running into each other. Just There were some freak plays there. There were some mistakes. I thought that Mississippi State in that ball game could have been a couple of touchdowns better than LSU if they play a 100% clean football game. And as bad as it looked at times, if that if they don't have that penalty on Rodney Gross where he where he leaps over the shield there, I think they win that ball game. I, I really do. I, I think that that play uh, just crushed Mississippi State, and they still had a chance even after that. They got it to three points and had a chance to get the ball back. We've seen that in back-to-back ball games. Everything was right there for Mississippi State to take, and they just couldn't do it. And it's the same things – over and over. It's the offense, you know, having three or four or five straight possessions where they can't score. It's the defense with busted coverage. We saw tons of busted coverage against NC State. NC State just couldn't make the plays. That's happened in every game this year for, for the Bulldogs, and they've got to get that figured out. But I feel like this team is noticeably better. And I, I think that you'll agree with that too. I, I look at the stats. I look at the at some of the plays they make, and they look noticeably better than they did at any point last season. And I think that's what you wanted to see from Mike Leach in year two. Is this team getting better? I think the answer to that is yes. Is it coming in, in wins and losses? No, it's not. And that's because of things that they are doing. It's not because of what the other team's doing. So I think the most important thing for Mississippi State right now is to stay the course. And that's from Mike Leach down to the players to the fan base. This team is this program's moving in the right direction. It might be a slow progression, but they're moving there. And you can kind of see things, you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. People have got to stay on the same page and realize that they are getting better. And it might not be coming to wins and losses right now. But like I said, I feel better about Mississippi State right now than I did going into the LSU game. And I'm not trying to sunshine pump. I'm not trying to be uh, tote water for anybody. That's my honest assessment is I feel like Mississippi State is better and they're moving in the right direction. Now that needs to come in wins. You got you to pick up wins at some point. And I don't know if they're going to get it this weekend, but I do feel like Mississippi State is a better football team than I thought they were yesterday. I agree. Crazy well, there you enough. go. I mean, crazy if, enough. If, if you're positive about this thing after a loss, then I think fans can take solace in that fact. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll see what I think in just a few seconds. Let's move on into it. And that's why to our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Don't forget, wherever you are in North Mississippi, in the Corinth area, Pontotoc, Tupelo, those are the places where Welcome Home Beef is on the shelf. 
And if your local grocery store doesn't carry welcome home beef, well, then you need to find out why. Call them. Tell them, hey, we want to get this great Mississippi product on the shelf so we can enjoy these top uh, grass-fed steaks, burgers, and roasts. We want them on our table. We need them in your meat market. Call your local grocery stores and call Welcome Home Beef to find out what you can do to make that happen. That number is 662-268-8148. Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. Two Brothers Smoked Meats. I mean, you can't go past that place on a Saturday or Friday without seeing the line out into the road. And there's a reason for that, because it's one of the best restaurants in the SEC. It is unique. It is something unique to Starkville. There's not a lot of places like Two Brothers anywhere you go. So check them out next time you are here. Sit out on the patio. Again, I can't stress enough how great the weather is going to be, especially if you think about two weeks ahead, you know, or three weeks ahead to Alabama and coming back for that game. It's going to be fantastic here in Starkville. You definitely want to grab a, a spot out there at Two Brothers. Enjoy some great food and great times at Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. And also, don't forget for your tailgates, email them at twobrothersstarkville at gmail.com on uh, anytime before Wednesday of game week to place your order. Advantage Business Systems has a really simple plan. It's a two-part plan to keep your business thriving. What they're going to do is this, offer you an incredible selection of services, products, everything your business needs from a technological standpoint to, to thrive and to work with more profits and less problems. And then they back every sale they make up with the kind of customer service you'd expect to get if you were dealing with your next door neighbor. And that's what Advantage Business Systems really is. They are your neighbor. They are a Mississippi business. They do business with Mississippians and have been doing that for 46 years. Call them today. Find out how they can help you. That number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. My friend, Robbie, these are the things that are true, all 12 of them this week. All of them are 100% true. There is no lie to be detected in any of them. Hope you're. I hope you understand that. Joel got that. I've, His predecessor, not so much. I've never known you to be a liar. Appreciate that. So, let's get started. Robbie, there are five kinds of, of teams. Five kinds. There are good teams. There are bad teams. There are good bad teams. There are bad good teams, and then there are bad bad teams. Vanderbilt is a bad bad team. A bad, good team is a team that, despite not playing well, seems to always find a way to win. Mississippi State is a good, bad team. They don't do enough to win. They make too many mistakes. They can't correct the little things. But they're always in the game. They always make it interesting. And it's, they, they can, if they catch their opponent on the right day, find a way to win. But they are a good, bad team. They're a bad team. But they're kind of good. That's 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 what this team is. I don't disagree with that. You're you're not a you're not a good team. You're not a good team if you're not winning ball games. Right. In my opinion, that's correct. that sets you apart from being good and bad is whether or not you win or lose because that's at the end of the day that's what you're judged by. And we're I, I could sit here and say that I feel better about Mississippi State like I did. At the end of the day, Mike Leach isn't going to keep his job based on just just being pretty good and still losing. He's going to lose his job at some point if he's not winning ball games. So that's what he's judged by. That's what these players are judged by. That's what this program is judged by. 
you aren't judged on you just look you, you play okay, you play pretty good. You're judged on wins and losses. So I agree with that. All right, number two. My podcast partner really hit it, and he's correct. He hit it out of the park. There are a lot of reasons to be positive. Again, sort of what I just said, in that I can point, and I think this is true for good, bad teams. Is I can point, I can give you maybe 10 plays in this game where if the play goes the other way, state uh, wins the game. And I think the biggest reason to be positive is this. It's not talent. I know some people were saying earlier, oh, this, this team has a lot of G5 talent. That's crap. This team can compete in the SEC. They've got the players on both sides of the ball. This is a good – they've got talent. That's not the issue. So what makes you positive, what makes you, can make you optimistic is that the things that are plaguing this team right now are correctable. There are correctable and coachable things. Leach always says you're coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. He's got to start coaching. And that sort of leads me into number three. It's 100% on Mike Leach to fix these issues. I saw something that it just bothers me on your message board. I won't, I won't blame you for it, obviously. But somebody said this, you know, Leach has got to do blah, blah, blah. And somebody's like, oh, so Leach is missing receivers and Leach is dropping passes and Leach is – it doesn't matter. The guy who gets paid $5 million a year is the guy who has to fix the problems. The players can't just fix them by themselves. They have to be coached in the correct way. Mike Leach is responsible for the health of this football program. And if he doesn't do the right things and he doesn't coach where it needs to be coached and he doesn't fix what needs to be fixed, they're going to continue to lose. It's 100% on him. I put no blame on the players, and nobody else should too. The players, though, are plenty talented. I mean, they, they ha- this is a good enough team. Look, Mississippi State's offensive line has gotten better each week. I thought they played a really good game. And again, it goes back to what we said, I think, last week, that we're starting to see what should happen when teams rush three and drop eight. The offensive line is holding its own. They're, they're giving Rodgers plenty of time to throw. They ran the football much better this week. Against a three-man line, they should, but they did. I mean, last year it was, but they should, and they didn't. They've gotten better. There's improvement. A lot of reason to be positive, but Mike Leach has to be the one that sparks change in this football program. You, you mentioned the offensive line. I want to touch on something that I heard Cole Kubelik talk about in your interview with him, and I didn't even I, – I feel bad that I didn't even notice it. Those splits have tightened up a little bit, it seems. And that has made a difference. That offensive line looked confident. They gave Will Rogers a clean pocket. The entire ball game, he was very rarely pressured. And what was the main battle that we were talking about coming in this ball game? And everybody was talking about LSU's defensive line versus Mississippi State's offensive line. Everybody thought that LSU was going to be able to put pressure on Will Rogers and, and really make things difficult, and they didn't at all. I, I thought Will Rogers was protected the entire ball game. There might have been two or three plays where he was really kind of you know, struggling to have time back there. But for the most part, he had three or four seconds to throw if he yeah. wanted to throw. He, and the offensive line was clean pocket all game, yeah. And, and pushed him around to, to open up holes in the running game. They run for over 100 yards. State did everything they needed to do up front to win that ball game. They just didn't execute. And I think part of it is on the players being better. But like you said, 
at the end of the day, when they're not good enough, when they're not getting the job done, it's on the coaches mm -hmm. to correct those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're going to see the next level for Mississippi State. We've seen this team take a step offensively and defensively, really, too. Mm -hmm. They've taken a step. They've been better at executing that offense, but there's still some minor things that aren't happening for this team to get them over the top and to start 4-0. The difference in 2-2 two and 4-0 two and is five or six plays in a ball game that this team isn't making. It's up to Mike Leach and his staff to fix that and to make sure that those plays are happening. You are executing on those plays, and you're getting wins in the process. So I think the state's gotten closer and closer. They're right on top of the hill. Now they've got to finish. They've got to clean up those little mistakes that they've had during games that have become magnified after the ball game's over. Yeah, I agree 100% when you, when you look at them. All right, uh, where are we here? Uh, number four, is that correct? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's right. Number four, I'm sorry. You, you cannot, you cannot pull your quarterback. You cannot make a change at quarterback when Rodgers is putting up the stats that he's putting up. Mm -mm. You, you just can't do it. This is his stats on the year. 75% complete. I don't care. I don't care that there are a lot of short passes. What was the completion percentage last year? It wasn't 75%. 1,454 yards. That leads the SEC. His touchdown to, to interception is 11-2. to two. 225 passing attempts. He's taken seven sacks. What did we say earlier this year? Like in a regular passing offense, one sack every 30 attempts is about right. That's where you are. That's where you are. So his QB rating is – and I, I don't worry about QBR. That, that to me doesn't really work. But it's his actual QB rating is 143.7. A perfect QB rating is 158.3. So Rogers, Rogers is, is, is part of the issue in that, he, yes, he's not making some of the decisions he needs to make. He needs to be faster in his reads. He's, he's missing some guys down the field. But there were some drops in this game. He took a couple of chances and, didn't get, and they didn't pay off because the receivers dropped the ball. Will Rogers is the starting quarterback. If, you, if you're going to start a tweet, if you're going to start a message board post that says, I think Sawyer Robertson, if you're not saying is going to be the quarterback next year, if you're saying anything about this year, you're just wrong. Will Rogers is not going to be pulled as long as he continues to take care of the football and do things like this. Look at State's offense last season. Look at the four games after LSU. If I'm correct, Robbie, and I'm pretty sure that I am, the, the, the point totals were 14, 2, 14, and there was a pick six in there, and uh, zero. This year, 35, 24, 29, 25. And I know there's some non-conference games. I get that, but they, get, they scored two points on Kentucky. They scored seven points on Texas A&M offensively. The offense has improved. Will Rogers is improving. If Will Rogers continues to improve at this rate, by the end of the season, he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. I don't, I'm, not I, saying, I I'm not saying I believe in Will Rogers. I'm not saying he's the quarterback that's the future and can lead this team to nine, ten win seasons. But he's playing way too well to consider benching him. Yeah, I, there, there's a lot of yardage out there still to be had for Mississippi State. I completely understand that. We talked about it all last week. They need to go downfield a little more. At the end of the day, he's uh, – and I realize the average depth of target is still not very high, but 
he's still completing 75% of his passes. He's averaging 364 yards a game. I mean, he's on pace he is to going for about 36 plus another uh, 12. He's on pace to throw for about 4,800 yards. I, I mean, and I understand this. It's all about the system, too, but 11 touchdowns to two interceptions. That's. The, we still have to give him credit for yeah. what he's been able to do at this point. We can say I, it's completely acceptable to say he has to be better. He has to get. He has to take more chances. Things like that. He's leaving some yards out there. It's okay to say that. I I think it's quite unreasonable to be saying he stinks. He's a group of five quarterback. He's a D two quarterback. He has a noodle arm. Some of the things that are being said is completely unrealistic and un, uh, it, it's just it doesn't make any sense to me. For a guy, if we if we saw anybody else come out there in Mississippi State history and start eleven to two touchdown interception, three hundred sixty four yards a game, people would be going nuts. Yeah, they'd be they'd be they'd think it's awesome. Dak Prescott was ten seven his first year uh, in yeah. twenty thirteen for for uh, for passing. He's on pace to shatter every single record in Mississippi State passing history this year, and he's still a sophomore. And I realize he's played a good bit of games now. People expect perfection from Will Rogers for some reason. They just expect him to just never miss a throw. Everybody misses throws. But hasn't it been like this for every starting quarterback that Mississippi State's had outside of Dak? It feels a little bit like that. I mean – I mean, think With about Fitzgerald. Think about, who, I mean, it was always about he can't throw the ball, despite the fact he was rushing for another. He was adding another 150 yards of offense every game running the football. And you know, but it, people treated him the same way they're treating Will Rogers on yeah. the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, Will Rogers. Will Rogers is is uh, throwing the ball. Nick Fitzgerald was running the ball. Right, and they wanted you know they wanted the offense to be completely opposite. I think by the, I think at the end of the day we're going to respect the numbers that Nick Fitzgerald put up just like we're going to do with Will Rogers too. I agree. I think it's, I, agree. I think we just have to put some more things in perspective here. I agree. Number 5, again, and it's the same thing we had last week. Why are walk-ons playing? Why is Christian Ford getting these this many snaps? Why? Why why is he why is he on the field? He's playing the outside receiver where Heath or and or Griffin should be. Now Heath fumbling that football, I get it. Maybe you want to take him out. Those snaps should be exclusively the domain of Tulu Griffin. There, there's no reason when you have as many talented receivers as Mississippi State has for a walk-on to be on the field. They're just not. And we had this debate last week. If you want to have it again, we can. But I'm, I don't get why Christian Ford – no offense to the kid. I'm sure he practices hard and he's a good kid. But why is he out there and not Tulu Griffin? It can't because he's tired, because Tulu's not getting that many snaps. I'm going to say the same thing I said last week. I don't, I don't go to practice. I don't know what's going on at practice. And if I, I think that, you know, if it's a consistent, if there's consistent ha- practice habits for Tulu and he's performing extremely well in practice every single day and he's still not getting the reps, then that's a problem. But ha- know, ha- knowing how coaches work, in college football and in high school football, really too. If you're not showing up in practice, you're not going to be rewarded with those reps. Uh, I mean, that's just the God on that's God on His truth. That's what goes on for coaches. They want to see your practice habits match what you do in a game. I guess, 
there are what? Off the top of my head, there are five scholarship outside receivers. Uh, Polk, Heath, Griffin, Thomas, and Ducking. And Ducking never plays. Thomas got a couple of snaps here and there. He had a, he had a drop and, on, on Saturday. I, I just I can't believe that this the Ford is somehow in the mix with five scholarship guys. I mean, are those guys those guys must be really crappy practice players to allow a walk on to get into the mix like this. That's all I can say. I mean, uh, like I said, I mean that if that that's what that's what I take away from this is he's practicing much more consistently and better than those guys that I, I've seen. You know, Deronda Wilson was like that. You know, he he would he would really struggle to bring the effort and practice. But when the lights turned on, he was a different kind of player. Is this happening with Tulu? I don't want to say that it is 100%, but I kind of get the vibe that that might be the case. And Jaden Wally, too. I mean, what's going on with him? Um, He was in the game and dropped a pass or two the other day. I mean, I don't know. The wide receivers kind of come and go, it seems like. You know, one guy will flash, and the next week you don't really see him as much. Mm-hmm. You need more consistency out of that group. It, that sounds strange when you look and you see, you know, 364 yards receiving a game. Yeah. But um, there's so many guys out there and so many passes to go around. Mm-hmm. It's it's becoming a, a competitive deal, and those guys we'll have talk to, a little bit to more rise about to the occasion. In a couple of minutes. Uh, let's go to number six, though. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of competition. I just can't, I can't get over the fact that, there, that a walk-on has worked his way in. Uh, number six. I believe this. State's going to win one of these three games, at least one of these three games, Texas A&M, Auburn, Kentucky. It's crazy that this this is the kind of year in years past where Mississippi State would take advantage and win like 10 games. LSU sucks. Auburn's not any good. A&M can't score. I think Kentucky is fool's gold. State should be able to beat all four of those teams, beat Vanderbilt, you know, and then, you know, we find out what happens with Alabama, Arkansas, and uh, – and Ole Miss. Arkansas is obviously very good this year. And, but you should be able to win the rest of those, and that's at least five non-conference wins, or five conference wins to go with your four. You should, should have won your four non-conference games, and that's nine. And then if you can win the Egg Bowl, it's ten. But State isn't able to – it goes back. They're not a good team. So they can't take advantage of the fact that the conference is not great. I think State well, – we'll talk a little bit more about it in a second, but State has a great chance in those three games because none of those teams are really good offensively. And state and sort of like LSU, state can muddy the game and keep it dirty. I, I think this game this weekend is very interesting for Mississippi State. Eight point underdog, I, I could see state getting there easily. The last two or three weeks of A and M has changed my opinion on the game a little bit. They're not good. They're not good. They're not good. The de- the defense is still pretty good, but they're a little shaky right now. Offense is very shaky. If if that game was here. I would think I might pull the trigger for an upset pick. Yeah, it'll be tough I on feel that the, A&M. I feel the same way about Auburn. Yeah, exactly. If, if all games, games were here, it'd be different. Yeah, so I, I don't know what to think, man. I know Alabama's probably going to be a loss. Ole Miss doesn't look like a you know it's going to be very easy. Arkansas is going to be incredibly tough. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the games are very winnable for Mississippi State. I agree. Can you find four wins is the, is the big question. Yeah, that's the problem is if you only win one of those games and you beat Vandy and Tennessee, now you're five and seven. You got to yeah. find another. You got to find one more win to get to a bowl. They could do it. If they, if they continue to improve this year, they could do it. But 
I feel confident they're going to get one of those games. I just do. Number seven, and it's about the number seven. That's the number of touches combined for Jaden Wally, Jameer Calvin, and, and Tulu Griffin. Now, I know Wally had a drop, and I think Calvin did too. But that's just that's a laughable number. Those guys should have seven touches apiece. And if you can't, if it's just about putting them on the field and hoping Will throws to them, that's not good enough. Now, with Wally, I, I get that a little bit. I think Wally is just a receiver. I don't really want to see Wally involved in the run game that much. But Calvin and Griffin are guys that, in a regular offense, if somebody else was calling the plays, there would be fly sweeps and pop passes and a lot of quick stuff to those two guys over and over again. Tula Griffin wouldn't be playing outside in almost anybody else's offense. He would be a slot receiver and would be a, a big matchup weapon for Mississippi State. Got to figure that out. Goes back to number three, Mike Leach. This is an issue. Fix it. Fix the issue. And it goes into number eight, too, as well. And I, one thing, I, what do we always say on the pod here, right? Coaches would rather lose their way than win somebody else's. Mike Leach is that guy. He would much rather just continue to do things his way. And it's interesting. Somebody asked me about Leach's coaching tree this week. By the way, I, 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 uh, I heard that you ran into my, my buddy, Russ Nelson. He told you to keep giving me hell. Is that correct? After Was that game. Russ? Yeah, that's Russ Nelson. Yeah. Listens to every podcast. He's always, he's always trying. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, I didn't even recognize him, to be honest with you. We, yeah. were, we, were, we were walking outside of the, uh, the stadium, and Joel was with me and Logan. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he told us to, to give it to you this week. There you go. So, yeah, he, like I said, big fan of the show. Um, but with any other coach, a lot of these offensive issues would change. Uh, the running game would be more of a part of, of things. Oh, it was Russ. I'm sorry. Going back to what I was saying, Russ asked me about Leach's coaching tree. And when you bring it up, it's interesting to look at because there's a lot of quality names on there, guys, especially in this, the second group of like the guys who worked with guys who worked with Leach. That's where Lincoln Riley is. And, you know, obviously Kingsbury is in that group. And, and you know, as much as you hate him, love him or hate him, Art Bryles is in that group. But those guys all tweaked some things to this offense and found new ways to move the football. And Mike Leach hasn't done that. And, mm-hmm. I wonder if this offseason, I don't think it's going to be, you know, one of those you need to hire an offensive coordinator because that, that's not going to happen. Leach is not going to concede play calling. Although I got a kick out of a couple of people saying, we, State needs a new offensive coordinator. I'm like, well, what you're saying is. But he needs to find it within himself to say, look, I need to look at what some of my pupils are doing and, and see if I can't make a couple of tweaks here and there. Because if you could do that, You've got the weapons. You have got SEC quality weapons at running back and at receiver, and you've got a pretty good offensive line up front, and you've got a quarterback who I think can do a lot of things for you, and I think is getting better. But you got to give, you got to change some things up. You got to put the ball into your playmakers' hands more easily. It can't be just, hey, run this route, and we'll, if you're open, we'll throw to you. It's got to be the ball is going to Tulu Griffin, the ball is going to Jameer Calvin on this play. Got to call more plays like that. So I think that if, it, if this offense was up tempo, some read option RPO stuff, you're really talking about an offense that could be humming right now. Because they have, to me, they have a, they have more pieces than they've had at wide receiver in a long, long time. And you have some, you have two really good running backs too. 
You can have a power running game mm-hmm. mixed in with your passing offense downfield. Yeah. But to his credit, we've seen him tighten up the splits yeah. on the offensive line. We've seen him have a more concerted effort to run the football when he sees three down linemen. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he tweaks some things, just, just some minor things. But you're exactly right. I was thinking about that this week. Lincoln Riley's changed up his offense. Dana Holgerson, mm-hmm. Kingsbury. Look what Kingsbury's running in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's more of an air raid offense than we've ever seen in the NFL, yeah. what he's running at Arizona. But he also incorporates Kyler Murray's you know, mobility into it. So. Right. And he has running backs that, that uh, can to make plays as well. So yeah. if Leach does that, then you're talking about something serious from Mississippi State. Right. All right, number uh, number nine. I trust Zach Arnett to correct the mistakes he made, on, his team unit made on Saturday, specifically the missed tackles. A lot of missed tackles, I thought, on Saturday. But that's the biggest difference between Zach Arnett and Mike Leach, is that I have complete faith that all week long, Zach Arnett will focus on tackling, 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 and he'll get it fixed. And I don't have the faith that Mike Leach will fix the things that he that are bothering his side of the ball. I can't imagine how upset, angry that Arnett was after that ball game. Oh, he had to be furious. Three, I think it was a hundred and forty something yards on those three touchdown passes mm-hmm. that came from busted coverage, or you know, I don't know what happened on that play when Emmanuel Forbes and Fred Peters ran into each other. That's just that a, was a, that's just dumb luck. Yeah, that, that wasn't it. I don't even think that was going to the guy that caught it. Was it was not. It was not. If you go back and watch the, the, the play, he's trying to throw it to Keyshawn Boutte. And I think Forbes might be getting ready to pick that off when, when yeah. they crash into each other. Just completely so, again, bad luck. That's one of the plays. That's one of the plays where I could say, if that goes different, different ball game. Yep. So. Well, that play shouldn't even happen. Well, Rodney, know, if Rodney a, Gross just that's runs another into play. the guy, and, uh, and I don't I don't know. I mean, do you blame that on Matt Brock or you just blame it on a lapse? We'll get of judgment? to all that. We'll get to all that. We'll get to all that. Number 10, 2022 schedule is why 2021 was so important for Mike Leach. We haven't talked about it, but they, you know, they released the new schedule. You you should have already known this, but when you look at state schedule next year, obviously, you know, from a non-conference perspective, you've got winnable games. You go to Arizona, who's the worst team in power five right this second. You got Memphis coming here. I have to assume that team will be ready for blood in that game. But Memphis is still going to be pretty good. But you should be able to win your non-conference games. But you're, you're on the road to Alabama, LSU, Kentucky, on the road. State's lost the last two up there. At, in, at Oxford, tough to win in Oxford. So, that, so those are two games that are iffy. Obviously, Alabama, LSU, you know, I don't know who's going to be coaching LSU at that time. Alabama is still Alabama. I, I assume LSU will have a good coach, and they'll be talented, and it'll be a tough game to win. And then your home games are, are, your, are your, sort of your toss-up games every year, Alabama, I'm sorry, Arkansas, Auburn, uh, A&M, and then it's Georgia. Georgia comes here. So, I mean, right off the top, when you look at that schedule, I mean, it's going to be tough to be 6-6. Six and six. You should be able to win your four uh, non-conference, and, but there's not a – as we sit here today, Mississippi State would be an underdog in every one of those conference games. It's going to be tough. Brutal to be schedule. It's brutal. That's why you sort of needed to have a good year this year 
if you could have gone seven and five and then you took a step back at five, et cetera, everybody would have said, oh, well, I mean, the schedule is really tough this year and, and they'll, they'll continue to get better. But if you go four and eight or five and seven this year and then five and seven next year, it's really tough to say, do we want a fourth season? It really is. Unless there's just a monster amount of offensive improvement and it's just because your schedule was so tough, you couldn't do anything. Leach needed this year to be a good year. And, and so far, it's not, it's, it has not been. And these have, these have been winnable games. It's not yeah, like – That's the worst part. You know, it's not like you're losing to Alabama on the road. You're losing to LSU on the road. Um, you're losing to Ole Miss, things like that. You haven't played, you know, Ole Miss, A&M, Alabama, Auburn. You haven't played them yet. So you're, you're losing the games that you thought you could win. This, this LSU game was a game that I thought was their most likely win – that I had as a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, turns out that was pretty close to accurate because State almost won the ball game. I still thought they were going to lose. So, the Memphis game was huge. I mean, if you're 3-1 and one right now, you still feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're 4-0, oh, feel you feel really good. Completely good at 3-1 and one that they're making a ball game, no problem. Yeah. Now you're in trouble. Yeah. So, and, and like you said, I mean – Memphis hurt. And losing – A losing – a losing record or 500 three straight years, yeah. even at Mississippi State, that's tough. that's tough. I thought my friend Ryan Nelson made a good point in postgame. He's like, you know, you don't always get a bad LSU team. They're usually a good team. We're going to look back on this loss in a few years and be like, God, this was a bad LSU team. You know, especially when they, when they hire Lane Kiffin and they start rolling again. We're going to look back and go, God, they could have had two in a row over LSU, but they don't. Well, it's like I told you, LSU was was teetering. They're standing yeah. on, they're standing on a cliff. Yeah, and they're looking back at Mississippi they took State. A step and forward, but they got they got steps back coming. Mississippi State, all they had to do was just give them the finger poke of doom and <laughs> knock them off the cliff, and we're good to go. Yeah. Didn't happen. Oh well. All right, number eleven. I believe the state can win on Saturday. They can beat Texas A and M. A and M is reeling. They're, they they got, they got punched in the mouth by Arkansas. They cannot move the football. I think 24 points might be enough to win. Well, State can get 24, I think. Now, AM's defense is very good, but offensively, they're just poor. They're poor. They can't throw the football down the field. I think State's defense sort of matches up with them the same way they did LSU. They'll stop the run, and if they can limit the big plays, they have a great chance to win. I tell you, just like I said, I felt better about Mississippi State today than I did yesterday. I feel better about this game yeah. for Mississippi State than I did. Yeah. After after what happened with, with A&M and Arkansas, and now what's been kind of a trend for A&M since they had their quarterback go down with an injury, I, I really feel a lot better about this game. Now, can State come in and win that ball game on the road? That remains to be seen. We've already seen them in a road environment kind of falter. They're going to have to come in this ball game with a lot of confidence and feel like they can win this ball game to have a chance. That's how you win SEC road games. Last one, and this is the most important one. Number twelve. Stop messaging athletes. Stop it, you bunch of freaks. Stop doing it. Now, we're talking to two different groups of people here. And I, and I mean positive and negative. Just stop following athletes on social media. Just stop it. What do you gain from it? Nothing. Now, I realize we're talking to two different groups of people, right? I'm talking to MSU fans. And I'm talking about, like, legitimate 
normal people. I know there are trolls out there, all right? Now, these trolls who've never had a woman touch their swimsuit area, there's no dealing with those people, all right? They just, they just, they, they, this is the only excitement they get in their life, that and when the Victoria's Secret catalog comes in. That's the only thing they have. It's the only thing they got going for them is to go out and drop the N-word into some random athlete's uh, thing. It's what they do. There's no, there's, no, there's no reasoning with these people, all right? It's like talking to a brain-damaged seal, all right? You're just wasting everybody's time. So if you're a troll and you're listening to this, he's talking about me. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about you. Please go and do whatever it is you have to to relieve the stress you put on yourself every day if you know what I'm talking about. You suck, and I wish you'd fall off a cliff. Find a lake and jump in it. That said, the rest of y'all, the normal folks, please stop messaging athletes, especially in emotional moments. Just don't do it. Nothing is gained from it. They're not going to send you any, any autograph memorabilia. They, they, they don't care. There's, you know, just, just stop. Just stop messaging athletes, please. All right, Rodney yep. Gross did not need to see what he saw after the game. Well, one of those guys was an Alabama fan, but I'm sure. I like I said, a brain damaged seal. I got you. But yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Go yell on a pillow. Yeah. Just, just, just stop. All right. Enough about internet trolls. Let's talk about something important. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. All right, no coffee. No uh, coffee is not for closers. Blah, 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 blah. I can't even get it out of my mouth. Coffee is for closers is brought to you by our good friends over at Strange Brew Coffee House. I was at Strange Brew on Friday night. I found out I had a, uh, a freebie waiting on there, courtesy of, of Mr. and Mrs. Dalton Lee. Thank you all very much. You've got one up there, Robbie, as does uh, a certain Joel T. Coleman. Uh, but even if you don't have one waiting on you, you can't go wrong going to Strange Brew Coffee House. Every day you want to start your day with Strange Brew. That's how you get your day started the right way. And, of course, I headed over to Churn and Spoon as well. I enjoyed a delicious uh, Sunday, and I, I, I sent a text to their owner to let him know he was powerless to stop me from enjoying that Sunday. And I did, and it was great. So anytime you're, you're in the hankering for something sweet, Churn and Spoon is there for you. Or when you need to start your morning off, that's where Strange Brew uh, comes in for Mississippi State. You, you mentioned it a few minutes ago. Matt Brock, special teams have not been great this year, but the, the penalty absolutely drives me crazy. And again, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. Your guys have got to know that you cannot do that. You cannot jump into the shield. You can't do it, and especially on a play where you're obviously setting up the return. You had two returners back. You had Wally and Williams back there. You just want the ball. It's 21-10. You've got a little momentum. You're going to get the ball back. That was a huge sequence in the game, a huge sequence, and it's just a brain fart, and you've got to coach better than that. You've got to know. Your guys have got to know, and if you're going to sit there and tell me, you know, and again, I'm not going to have any sympathy for the guys making six figures a year. If you're going to tell me, well, I did coach. You didn't coach them good enough. It's just that simple. You did not do a good enough job of telling your players, under no circumstances can you leave your feet. Just run up there and then turn around and find a block. 
Simple as that. So Matt Brock, you know, missed field goal in this game. That's sort of the difference. I know you're using your backup kicker, but you got to trust that guy to 32. Hopefully Brandon Ruiz will be back. There's some rumors flying already that that's going to be the case, that he'll be back this week. Don't know if that's true or not, but that's what the rumor mill's saying. Got to be better on special teams. It's cost you two weeks in a row. Yep, two games pretty much lost because of that. And, yeah. and uh, you know, if they would have just kicked field goals against Memphis, they go to overtime in that game. So, yeah, exactly. extra points, sorry. Yeah. Um, number, number of the SEC, you know, I had a couple options. Obviously, Vanderbilt would have been a really easy target. Um, Missouri would have been an easy target. But it's obviously got to be the SEC conference office. For No suspension for Mark Curls and his crew. None. They got a game on Saturday, and then they blew a call in that game. That made the difference. <laughs> as soon as I saw him, I tweeted. I said, don't worry, Tiger fans. He- he'll help you out later in the game. And I was right. There was never any. As soon as I saw that ball hit the ground and it go to replay, I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. So there was no punishment whatsoever. None for the, the screw-up of the Memphis game. None. And there will be no punishment this week. And God, if you're listening, dear eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, if you could just give Mark Curls the Alabama Ole Miss assignment, I will personally write a check to the, the, the Sisters of the Poor for $100. The, I will buy a priest lunch. Not even my own priest. Somebody else's priest. Anybody. Please, if you're listening, I don't ask for much. Just let that happen. I mean, it doesn't even really benefit me, to be totally honest. I just want to see it happen. I just want to see people's reaction on social media when his face is on the TV screen for Alabama Ole Miss. Thank you. If you're listening, thank you. I appreciate it. Incredible. You said said that there was no punishments. I don't know if that's the case. Okay. I think that the back judge was suspended. He wasn't with that crew this week. So are you positive about that? Yes. Okay. Was he with another crew? Uh, not to my knowledge. Right. I, I checked some other box scores, and I didn't see his name anymore. But the funniest part of it to me is, is that they went to the they, – they, they did review the play in this instance and still got it wrong. Yeah. I mean – there's, there's, the, I guess it doesn't matter. I guess it just but that, doesn't matter. And that, and that's not that crew's fault. That is the SEC re, uh, replay officials, right? In Birmingham. Right. So, but, it, it, but it's, had, it, it's on, it's on every level. It's just yes. stupidity and incompetence at every level of the SEC when it comes to officiating. A hundred. And by the way, I have seen that final Auburn possession like every year of my wow. life. Yes. Yeah. That's just how 98 yard drive, game winning drive with a yeah. minute left. I've yeah. seen it my entire life. Yeah. So, all right. Pretty easy choice for the, uh, the national one. It's got to be the Clemson Tigers, right? They're bad. You think state's bad offensively? Look at Clemson. They can't do anything. And they have a lot more talent than Mississippi State. I'm starting to wonder, and I read an article that, uh, that Ari, uh, Ari Wasserman from the Athletic wrote. You know, he talks about Clemson. He's like, you know, they recruit really well, but they don't recruit like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia does. And when you think about them the last this last decade, right, 
you know, they had the team that made the playoff in 17, but got easily handled, and that was the Kelly Bryant year. But other than that, they had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence for all of this, right? Two elite college quarterbacks. And is there something to be said for the fact that both of his big-time offensive coordinators have been absolute failures as head coaches, Chad Morris and Jeff Scott? Absolute failures. It's, it, maybe that's why Venables doesn't leave. He's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm starting uh, to wonder. I don't, I don't think that Clemson's about to fall off a cliff or anything. But maybe yeah. they're not the powerhouse that we think they are. They've just, you know, when you have elite quarterbacks, when you have top 10 NFL quarterbacks and you surround them with good talent, it's, it's pretty easy to win. And their and their star defensive tackle Brian Bracey just season. tore his ACL. Yeah, so, so they're they're not going to get any better. I, I thought that this was going to be kind of a down year for them. Like they would lose to Georgia because mm-hmm. their quarterback situation. You know, you you don't just lose Trevor Lawrence and just keep rolling like Alabama does with their guys. But I thought that their schedule in the ACC was going to be easy enough to supplement that because the ACC is not that. I great. thought they'd go eleven and one. I thought yeah. they would beat, lose to Georgia and then rip off 11 easy wins. But now we see that they, they were exposed against Georgia. They got real issues. And now we know. And how about NC State? Man, that was a good win for Mississippi State. If State had beaten LSU and then NC State beats Clemson, what are you saying about Mississippi State? I mean, I don't that know. That it was a freak game yeah. against Memphis? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, also, you might consider them out just outside the top 25 right now if you beat LSU yesterday. Shout out to Dr. Pepper for signing DJ Ugalalabalaba to a uh, NIL deal and then immediately him crapping the bed. Yes, congratulations. That's a great job for that quarterback to get that. Oh, he got a great deal because, and again, you know, we should stress NIL deals cannot be tied to athletic performance. He can go out there and suck it up every week. He's going to get his money from Dr. Pepper. So good job. All right. Tomorrow's show, uh, we'll recap what Mike Leach talked about at his press conference. We'll start looking ahead to Texas A&M. We'll do uh, this week's SEC picks where a certain somebody is two games behind now. And uh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And then we'll be back. We got a lot, a lot of Texas AM. And I, I want to talk. I mean, I'm going to try to get a national guy this week because I want to, I want to know what they're seeing on film. Uh, is this team closer to being good or are we just wrong? Are you and I just wrong? I don't know the answer, but we'll find out. Thanks for listening in. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.